Um, well, tonight what we want to do is uh, you're going to hear from the three of us and we're just going to recap sort of what has been taught. Um, and so we're each going to just spend sort of three, four minutes just recapping uh, what each of us have brought. And the idea tonight is to, in, in the notes, just scribble down some of the main key things that you've learnt um, <clears throat> throughout the year on each of the topics. And so we're just going to obviously list those topics just to refresh us. Um, at the end of each session, we'll have a bit of Q&A for a minute or two. So if there are questions you want to fire at either one of us after that, uh, that'll be cool. And then we'll see how we go. There's, there's other discussions uh, at groups. But we'll just see how the night um, sort of pans out. But um, just to start with, Paul said this in Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. And, uh, you know, I think part of repetition is how we learn. And so it's good to go over what we learn. Because who can remember the first one in February of what we talked about? There you go. <laughs> Who's applying that principle? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul knew something. And so that's what tonight's about, is to recap, go over, um, bring to life again some of the things that we looked at. So, um, essential practices of leadership. And uh, you've got me for the first two sessions, then Greg's going to jump up. So... What we looked at in the first two uh, lessons or the practices was to model the way and inspire a shared purpose. To model the way. It's so important if we're going to follow Christ as leaders, disciples, uh, is that we model uh, the expectation. It's one thing to say something, it's another thing to, to model it and if you've got children, you'll know they model what you demonstrate. And so the, the key in that point was to model the way. And I asked the question, would you follow you? Are you worth following? That's good. Confidence. Yes, I would follow me. And so that was a question that uh, is, a, is a challenge, but as the same as an opportunity. Would you follow you? Do you see something in yourself that's worth Following and another question I asked was, are we becoming the type of person and living the kind of life that others want to imitate? So, are we becoming the type of person and living the kind of life that others want to imitate? You know, Jesus said to walk in the manner. Our goal is to walk in the manner in which He walked, isn't it? To be perfected in love. And so as, as leaders, and, and the purpose of these nights was to create a culture um, and a climate of leadership because we're all called to lead. It's not positional. It's more innate than that. It's if we're disciples of Christ, then we're all called to, to lead. And so once again, just to recap the purpose of these nights and as we go forward next year. And so three areas that a leader works on in relation to modeling the way I said that work on yourself before you work on others. So often, you know, we, we, we go, it's someone else with the problem. If they change, it would be good. Um, but biblically, it's have a look in the mirror first and see what, uh, what response might be a right response from us. So work on yourself 
before you work on others. Work on yourself more than you work on others. So once again, these are all interlinked and synced because um, if we're going to model the way, then we need to uh, be changing ourselves. And the last thing I said was do what is right. Don't just teach what is right. Do what is right. Just don't teach what is right. So that was the first key practice of leadership that we started the year with. And the second thing was inspire a shared purpose. It's essential that as a leader and as leaders we inspire. We don't drive it, but we inspire it through our modeling. And so we need to know what the purpose is ourselves if we're going to inspire a shared one. Common sense. And so we need to know what God's purpose is for the church, uh, which comes obviously by revelation, you know. But um, And once again, depending on the area in which you're leading, so you may have a shared purpose for your family. You may have a, a shared goal that you're wanting to achieve as a family. Um, but in this context, being part of the body. So um, inspiring a shared purpose. To inspire a shared purpose, the leader must know, believe, and be devoted to living out the purpose of their God, their organization, or their family. So once again, we must know it, not just know about it, believe in it, and be devoted to living it out. And I think in the context of, of the kingdom, um, our role as leaders is to help people move from their agenda to God's agenda. And so it's taking from the agenda of self and through prayer, modeling, guiding, speaking, uh, try to get people to live for his agenda. And once again, that's something we meet, need to model first. That's our shared purpose. Um, and a leader constantly communicates the shared purpose and the why behind the shared purpose. So once again, it's essential that as leaders, we're communicating the why all the time. Why do we gather? What's the point of coming here? To grow as leaders. Why do we want to do that? Because God's looking for a mature church. Why do we want to be mature? Because he's coming back from a mature church so we can demonstrate God to the earth. So as leaders, we're constantly sharing, we're constantly communicating in different ways what the purpose is. Um, so we need to get creative in how we share that. Um, and we need to understand the why because that motivates people. So, so I think I shared we know what to do, how to do it, but do we know why we do it? And the why is the key motivation. So those are the two key things in that first part of essential practices. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone want clarity on any of those two things? How often do you find yourselves sharing the purpose? A lot? Good, good. Because it's a key. And um, it's amazing how quickly people forget. So it's that constant communication, you know, that in businesses that, that advertise, they know this. They know they've got to constantly be putting themselves in front of their target audience and so once again it's uh there's so many distractions there's so many voices that can lead us off so we need to continually being 
uh, speaking, envisioning the purpose. No questions? Okay, cool. Look at that, six minutes. Yeah. Hey, beat that team, eh? eh? All right, on to the second part, essential practices of leadership, number two. Okay, the... Um, No, that was, that was, I've got to do two. What? No, 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 that was the first, sorry. So. No, 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 no. no. Yes, I did double my time, didn't I? Well done, boys, well done. See, ears to hear. So there were, yeah, sorry, there were two points on, on that first night. The next two points. <laughs> okay, I'll go fast on this one. That's right, the way I'm doing it, right, eh? I'm doing it right, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you ready? The next, the second point, but, you know, just find room is to challenge the process. So leaders challenge the process. Kids are always asking why, aren't they? But why? Why? They know how to do that naturally. So as leaders, we need to challenge the process. A leader must have the confidence to ask why certain things are done and why they're done a certain way. Okay? So we don't just accept things. We, we ask uh, why, and, uh, but there's a way in which we ask. There's a healthy way in which we ask to challenge the process, and then there's a destructive way in which we ask. And um, we have to be careful that we're not just asking uh, to get our point across. All right. So the heart behind why you're asking is really important, and it must be a, a heart of love, obviously. Um, yeah, we, we can challenge the process from a posture of humility or a posture of pride. So we want to be challenging it from a posture of humility. A posture of humility seeks to understand the reason why a particular task or function is done a certain way, while a posture of pride seeks to prove the reasoning wrong because it disagrees with the reasoning and thinks its way is better. And once again, you may have a better way of doing something, but that's not the point in the way you approach it. You ask why... And you come with a heart of humility, and in time things may shift, and the leader might go, "That's a great idea. Never saw that." Um, <clears throat> so that's the that was the the third, <laughs> and on the second, whatever it was, March we did it. Yep, that one. So uh, the 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 second part of the second night: enable others to act. Leaders enable others to act. For this to really be outworked, our identity must be in Christ. Because a leader should be outworking themselves. So a good leader will outwork themselves out of a position and seeing others coming through. For that to be a reality, your identity must be in him. Can't be in the position, can't be in the income, can't be in your ego. Otherwise you will keep people small and keep them under you. And you will control them because you're always in fear of your own position. So our role as leaders is to enable others to act. 
One of the most productive and supportive things leaders can do is create a learning climate. So Jesus was always creating this climate, wasn't he? He was always looking for opportunities to teach. Even when they messed up, he was always looking to make it a learning climate. A question all leaders must ask themselves is, am I a servant leader or a self-serving leader? And once again, this comes back to identity and agenda. We can serve ourselves in his name because we have a need that needs scratching. And so we may have even a gift on our life and we need to use the gift. So instead of serving others with it, we end up serving ourselves. So we can be a self-serving leader or we can be a servant leader. And so often they can be disguised and masked. So, oh, that person serves. Wow, they're an amazing servant. But actually they're only serving themselves. And if you challenge that or press that or touch it, you'll see the true heart position come out. Okay, so we must be a servant leader. Um, Great leaders use their power in the service of others, giving their power away instead of hoarding it for themselves. So great servant leaders will use their power to serve others. Paul was constantly saying, you know, I'm in labor again for you. Um, he would say, with the, with the strength that's in me, I'm wanting to see the church become complete. So he laid his life down. So with the power and the authority he had, he used it in the service of others to see the church grow. So that's me. Okay. Any questions on that one? Oh, hold on. Any questions? All right. Um, in my own life? I, just an example of challenging the process where it's gone well to where it hasn't gone well. Um, man, there's heaps, but now you put me on the spot. Can I think of one? When we did the word, when we swapped the word and worship around, Okay, that was interesting. And so if you weren't here, what God said to do was to start with the word and then have the worship or the music later. Um, and so in the communication of that, people were like, you know, and, and when they challenged that, it was, it was yeah, it, it, some, well, no, I'd say there was a group that didn't do it too well because there was fear attached to it as well. Like, why are we doing this? And, you know, um, I remember one person saying to me, he said, well, that means I can't get here late now. <laughs> I thought, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think where it's um, where it's oh, it's, I mean, it's gone well heaps of times. Um, at elders, um, you know, when we when I uh, if God speaks to me about something, so like Cambodia, recently, you know, I just shared my my heart as to um, wanting to invest more in there financially. And, and there were questions were asked, okay, why, what, what's, what's the purpose, why do we think that? And it was done in the heart of humility with a genu- genuine, you know, wanting to, to hear the heart behind it. Um, sometimes you'll hear it in tone, people's tone, you know, and, and um, yeah, does that, does that help? I'll probably sit down and think of 50 million. 
Done. Cool. Can I speak to that point for a second? It's actually in here, so I'm probably jumping ahead of myself a wee bit, but I'll, um, but I'll cover it off because it seems really pertinent. What we have a tendency not to do is analyse what the result was and try and work out you know, what either went right or what went wrong. Because the reality is, for any specific action, there's only four possible outcomes. You either did it and it worked, you didn't do it, you did something different and it worked, or you did nothing at all, right? So if, you got f only, if there's only four outcomes and you can uh, accurately articulate which, one, which outcome you got from the, the action, and if the action was really specific, then it makes it really easy to diagnose. So in our own world, if we know what those are, and I'll cover them off again shortly, um, then it makes it really easy to, to fine-tune that. Um, so my name's Greg, I ran three of the sessions and then was asked to summarise them into like three to four minutes tonight, that's like asking me to run 100 metres in like three seconds. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic about it but the chances of me actually doing it are slim, so <laughs> you might have to like snap your fingers or something like that. I'll try, I'll absolutely try. <clears throat> so, so the first session was around um, leadership and change or probably more specifically um, leading through change. Um, and I started off with a quote by George Bernard Shaw, which was, progress is impossible without change. And as Christians, we probably know that better than most, right? Because we're not called to a comfortable life, we're called to a, a transformational life, and that doesn't happen without some kind of change, and change can be uncomfortable. So progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. So... We talked a little bit about, um, I guess, from my uh, employment background, the difference between a leader and a boss. So leaders, because there is quite a big difference, leaders um, coach employees, whereas bosses tend to drive employees. Leaders tend to say we versus bosses saying I. Leaders often show how it's done, lead by example, where bosses know or tell how it's done, but often their actions can be different. Leaders give credit where bosses tend to take credit and leaders respond versus react. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. So in short, leaders don't create followers. They just create more leaders, right? And that pro there's a progression map as you go through change um, because we're all really focused on the results and outcome, but in a four-step process, the results and outcome actually take care of themselves and are the last step, but it's the first one we look at because it's the one that's often have, has some kind of KPI or a number or an, or an outcome, a desire attached to it. Um, but the three leading up to that, and if you were to put each of these three on a triangle, on, one, uh, on the base of the triangle you'd have attitude and motivation. Um, on the left-hand side you'd have expectations and rationale, and then on the other side you'd have behaviours and actions. And if you can get those three sides of the triangle right, the results and outcomes in the middle will actually take care of themselves. So we talked a little bit about what each of those are. So attitude and motivation are, are, are foundational, thus it's at the bottom. The definition of an attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about something. Attitudes shape who we are and what we are. A negative attitude supports anxiety or depression, causing you to suffer i.e., why bother? I'd only end up failing if I tried. 
But if instead your attitude supports healthy ambition, confidence and some self-worth, then you can expect to feel more empowered and positive. Motivation, on the other hand, is just simply the ability to, um, uh, you know, the energy required to sustain um, that approach. So if a positive attitude is the fire, then motivation is what sustains it. We then talked about um, expectations and rationale, which is the why. Why would we do anything at all? Um, and Greg talked about you know, the fact um, that as a leader, it's really important that we have a shared, a shared purpose, a shared vision. That is that rationale piece, right? Um, so making sure that that's really clear, reinforcing that over and over again, and that um, the people around you get it just as much as you do. So it's not something you can go over um, too many times. So in times of change, the, the what's in it for me question is the one that as a leader you need to answer. That's not to suggest that most people are selfish. Um, it's simply a fact that personal context is usually the first filter that we use to evaluate our environment. So as a leader, your challenge is to validate that journey of change. And then behaviours and actions. So I love the saying, intent reveals desire but action reveals commitment. So when it comes to behaviours and actions, there's an art to being specific. So if you're coming up with actions to achieve anything, could be... Yeah, sure, sure. The yeah, yeah, yep. Intent reveals desire, but action reveals commitment. I heard a saying once, and probably puts us quite succinctly, and you'll forgive my language or hopefully hear the heart behind it, but losers intend to do heaps of stuff. Winners commit and actually do it. So if you, you think about the people on a race course, you know, like if, if, if somebody's going out with it, they've already pictured winning that race. They, they've got an understanding of what that, what that success looks like. It helps them to build a plan and commit to that plan with the absolute focus of achieving that goal. That's about putting some actions in place. Not necessarily burning people along the way. You don't have to do that. It's about what, what you um, are motivated to achieve um, and how you go about doing that. So there's an art to specific, specificity. Specificity. <laughs> the more specific you are with the actions the more accountable you become and therefore the more likely you are to follow through, right? So the more specific you are with your actions, the more accountable you become and therefore the more likely you are to follow through. And as I said, there's only, um, there's only four possible outcomes to a specific action. You either did it and it worked, you did it and it didn't work, you didn't do it or you did something else. And if you did, then analyse that. <laughs> All right. So as I said, if you put those three things together with outcomes and results at the middle of it, you've kind of given yourself a triangle to diagnose um, your team, yourself, a project, et cetera, et cetera, to try and get to the root cause of what needs attention to help um, in that process of change. So I hope that helps. Any quick questions around that? 
How long? Feels like speed speaking, <laughs> not speed dating. Speed speaking. Okay, uh, the essential practices of leadership, part three. So I'm going to give you two under part three. All right. So the uh, the fifth one is. Hang on. Session four. Yeah. Okay. So it's encourage the heart. So as leaders, we want to be encouraging the heart. And uh, appreciation always lifts, it never pulls down. And, um, you know, I'm not sure about you guys, but, but sometimes encouragement, it comes easy to some and not easy to others. And um, I know it's something that, that I need to work on. Um, and so encourage the heart as a leader because appreciation always, always lifts. Um, if we're going to encourage people, we need to be specific in our encouragement. So it's, it's not just enough to say, hey, that was really good. Be specific with what was good. And so, you know, if, it's, if, um, if someone does an, uh, a function well, if you, if you delegate responsibility, then be, be detailed in what they actually did well. Um, I like the way you created uh, that space in the room. You know, it was very colourful and bright. So well done. So be specific in your encouragement. Um, praising people without specifics doesn't mean much. It's still good. It's better than not. But be specific in your encouragement. Um, encouraging the heart also means speaking to and addressing the heart issues. Okay, so encouraging the heart also means speaking to the, the issues of the heart. What people do is always motivated by what's in the heart. Okay, and um, I reckon that's why Proverbs says, you know, guard your heart because it's a wellspring of life. Um, we don't want to address behavior, the external, as our primary objective, but we address what's happening in the heart, the internal, if we want to see lasting change. So once again, in our encouragement, it's easy just to look at external behavior. It's easy just to look at that and make a judgment call, but look deeper than that. Um, look for the behavior because if, if the inner world shifts, like Jesus said, you know, he said, you guys polish the outside of the cup. But if the inner world shifts, then the outer world takes care of itself. All right, so that's the fifth point uh, or practice was encourage the heart. And the sixth one was constant and clear communication. How many people know this is the hardest one to get right? doesn't matter if it's in our context, the church, and a business, and a club. <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> this is, you know, because it's, it's just really funny. It's funny how, and I'll give you an example, like Paul sent me a text, and, and, and I read it completely different to the way Paul sent it, but Paul knew what he was saying when he, when he sent it. So I ended up waiting for Paul when he wasn't there uh, and ordering a coffee. And it's that whole thing, so... so uh, uh, Think about, think about, um, and this is going to sound really bad now, Paul. So it's not. But when you when you think about, try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. So try and give as much information as you can, okay? Because we have context to stuff, and you think they have the context, but you need to think actually and make it really simplistic in the way you communicate, okay? Um, and that way you avoid things. 
you know. But it is the hardest thing <laughs> to get um, right. And I remember saying, never communicate on email anything personal. So it's always face to face. It's easy to do on an email. It's easy to do on a Facebook. But really, it's the coward's way of doing it, you know, because you just send, you know. But actually, face to face is the best form of communication if there's if it's issues of the heart. Okay, great leaders over communicate their message and communicate their message in multiple ways. Okay, so Jesus was always communicating the kingdom is like this. It's like this. It's like this. It's like this. It's one message to continue to communicate different ways. So don't think, oh, I said it once, they've got it. You've got to literally, you know when someone has it, when you ask them, they can repeat it back to you. When it becomes so innate, that's when someone has it. And so often, that's, you've got to do that heaps of times before someone has that. So if I was to say, what are our values? I don't, I'm going to pick someone. No. <laughs> so what are our values? Family, intimacy, leadership, lordship, evangelism. Yeah. See, we obviously got to keep speaking because this, that should roll off our tongue. Okay? So we obviously need to keep communicating our values because you know when someone's got it when everyone can go boof. All right? So that's, that's part of the, the... Now, we might be living that, but once again, it's knowing it so you can, the completion of it comes together. Because if you run into somebody and they say, what are you guys about? Oh, you know, if they say, what you, what, what's this? And you go, oh, well, we're sort of into this and we're sort of into that. And sort of, it just sounds quite wishy-washy, yeah? So clarity around communication is essential. Uh, leaders understand that no communication is a form of communication. All right? So no communication, you are communicating. And that's where offences and people read into stuff. Um, and so think about that, you know, that can cause disharmony. So no communication is a form of communication. Great leaders also ask their hearers what they have heard so they know they have been clearly heard and understood. Okay, so don't presume someone has clearly heard what you've tried to say. Ask them. Takes a bit more time, might be a bit awkward. What did I just say? Repeat back to me so I know you've heard. Okay, um, That's a critical thing as well because clarity, going forward, you want oneness. We can go in all different directions. Questions. Courage the heart, clear, constant communication. Vera.
What are, Yeah, so so I think content's really important. Yeah. Okay, so but but what so what you could do is uh, say it's a it's an issue that's going to cause someone could misinterpret. You know, it's a sensitive issue. Okay, so write your email clearly, get your thoughts out, but don't send it. Store it and then take it with you, because the flip side of that is, if it's sent and I'm the I'm the one receiving it, you you possibly have already broken because I'm reading it not through the heart it's been delivered. That's now trying to repair that. So I think write it in the sense of when it's this issue. If it's just factual stuff and details. So if, it's, if, it's, if you know it's sensitive, if you know it's possibly going to cause of, you know, issues, then get your thoughts out to help you with the clarity. But then, and even I would even take it with you and even you could read it while you're there face to face because it's so different when you hear the heart behind it, which you can't necessarily see behind a screen. So it's a good point, because it's not that we don't, yeah, that's a good point, Vera. Done? Oh, Linda? I agree. <laughs> so I agree. Yep. Words are powerful, eh? And words can show. But it has to be genuine. The motive has to be right, not, you know, but absolutely. It's like that AMI advert, isn't it? Where, like, the little kid smiles at someone on a bus and then they smile at someone else and it keeps smiling and eventually the smile comes back to the kid or whatever it is. Um, and... Oh. <laughs> I'm susceptible to marketing, all right, and bright and colourful things. It's the pe peacock in me. We'll talk about that soon. But um, <clears throat> with respect to the whole email, email versus uh, versus uh, you know a uh, face-to-face -face conversation, never is that more important than with praise, right? Like I, I once got taught by someone: if you send your team an email saying "Good job, team," like. They might read that email and the second their eye goes past the full stop at the end of team or the exclamation mark, it's lost its effectiveness. Whereas if you actually walk up and say, honestly, I saw what you did there, you did this, 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 and it was absolutely amazing, that staff member is going to think about that for like two weeks, or it could be your kid. <laughs> so um, making sure that we're really specific and face-to-face um, -face with positive reinforcement is a real key one. Um, God's good, right? Like listening to, it's quite funny listening to these back-to-back -back in quick succession, right? Because you see how much they dovetail into each other. But um, So my, my second session was around reacting versus responding, and they're two very different things. A reaction is instant. It's driven by beliefs, biases, and prejudices of the unconscious mind. So when you say or you do something without thinking, that's the unconscious mind running the show. It's often in the moment doesn't take into consideration the feelings um, or the long-term effects um, of what you say or do. And it can be a little bit survival-orientated at times as well, and on some level a bit of a defence mechanism. And it might turn out okay, right? We all need to react sometimes, um, but more often than not it's something that you're going to regret later. <laughs> a response, on the other hand, is um, it often comes more slowly. It's based on information from the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. Um, so a response will be more ecological in nature, 
meaning that it takes into consideration the well-being of not just yourself, but those around you. Um, and it tends to weigh up the long-term effects and stays more in line with your core values because it's a considered response. So how we react or respond to um, stimuli can have a significant effect on the um, outcome of any given situation. It can either influence, it can influence others and speaks volumes about who we are as a person, um, not just as a leader. Um, and so what, what causes us to either react or respond? Well, before we react or respond, um, we pass the, the stimuli or the information or whatever's gone on, the thing, through filters, um, and they're often personal filters, right? So it could be your personal context and beliefs, it could be opinions or insecurities, expectations or preconceived ideas of outcomes, or even cultural backgrounds and upbringings. And those experiences and memories, they're ideals, right, that form a filter through which our unconscious mind processes information and forms a reaction or a response. So how do we respond more than we react. We need to embrace the calmness. A bit of positive self-speak, people. I can do this. There's power in your words. We need to breathe. Take slow, deep breaths from the stomach. It'll calm those nerves. And try and assume positive intent in others. It's kind of hard for some of us sometimes, but it can change things. Greg talked earlier, in times of crisis, leaders tend not to point the finger, they look in the mirror. So if you can stay calm, often the first place to look if something's gone horribly wrong is what did you do to contribute to that situation? Create some time and space, and this goes a little bit to the email thing that we were just talking about. I love the saying, experience is what you get just after you needed it. (laughs) I have sent those emails in frustration, and then regretted it. Because the common responses that we have to negative stimulus are all the same, right, for all of us. We deny it, it wasn't me. We deflect it, he started it. You defend it, yeah, but if you hadn't have, do you know what I mean, like that, they're all, they're just knee-jerk reactions. They're built into our DNA, unfortunately. So if we can take a little bit of time, type that email, save it, park it, go and have a walk, a Wendy's ice cream, come back, reread it, and then ask yourself, what's emotion and what's fact that will often avoid the negative outcomes that you might have experienced in the past? And then also try and identify your triggers. We all have them. And then just finally, the third part is ask better questions. Detail is important. As I said earlier, offence is often personal. It's what we've passed through our personal filters, right? Our imagination or our attitude or our mood at the time can do weird things to us. I got a text message from my wife earlier today, keeping in mind that I've had two very challenging days with my kids. My wife and I have had to pull together pretty hard over the last couple of days to parent our way through it. And I get a text message tonight going, oh, I wish you were here. I'm like, man, I'm in a client meeting. I rush out of the client meeting. I get in the car. I call my wife. I'm driving. And I'm like, hey, babe. As soon as she answers the phone, she's like, hey. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's not what I thought. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I'm at the beach. You should so be here. (laughs) As I said, our imagination 
uh, can fool us into seeing or interpreting things that may never have been intended. Text and email is a great one for that. Lacks context, right? And then finally, um, seeking wise counsel. You love the advert. See, I'm a marketing guy. I've been internalizing a really complicated situation in my head. Uh, that's me and my child situation at the moment. But today I've sought some wise counsel from some friends. And, uh, uh, you know, they have different opinions. Even amongst the, the group of people that I was talking to, they have different opinions. Different is not necessarily wrong. It's just different. Okay? And I need to be open to the fact that it's different to the way that I see it. All right? And then take some time to consider that. So, yeah. Reacting versus responding. Questions? Questions? Oh, right, cool. I'll just summarise them again. So, um, try doing everything you can to remain calm. Like nothing, I mean, this is biblical, right? Nothing good is done in anger. <laughs> All right? Other than maybe running. <laughs> uh, I could probably do a bit of that. But embracing the calmness, um, creating some time and space. So actually getting away. You've heard the saying, I need to go and sit on a rock and think about this, right? Again, that's something you need to do. Um, Asking questions to get more detail about the thing that maybe you're feeling wound up about because it may just lack context. And then seeking some counsel because just because you don't agree with it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. It might just mean that they're looking at it from a slightly different angle. Cool. Any other questions? <laughs> oh. So, the, the, if you Google, if you Google that, if you Google that, there'll be a thousand different answers. But I think that's largely to do with the fact that everyone's different. So, um, here's a bit of personal disclosure for you. My wife and I are very different. It's one of the things I love about her, right? But now, early stages of marriage, if we didn't agree with something, or I'd done something that upset her frequently, or whatever it might be, I could see she was upset. Now, my way of dealing with that is to talk about it. Her way of dealing with that is to escape it. So I'd often press her buttons, sometimes until she broke. She fired up, or she'd get upset. And for me, at that moment, I'm thinking, yay, we're talking. <laughs> right? She's thinking, you mongrel. So, so that's understanding different personality types as well. We'll talk about that soon. But um, so, so I don't think there is a right way or a wrong way. Unfortunately, some of it comes from that experience thing that we were talking about. But I think that there's value in taking time to consider what your response will be. That's the point. Take time to consider it. Because if you do it instantly, then it's all passed through uh, all your personal filters and it just comes out all wrong. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Whereas experience tells me and a lot of other people that if you take some time, uh, then often that second, third, fourth response is probably the right one, not the first one. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this now. I love you, babe. So session six was called Cultivating Strong Teams, and that title was chosen quite deliberately. We quite often talk about team building, 
But as we've been talking about here, we don't build ourselves, God builds us. And as leaders, we don't build teams or other people. As leaders, we cultivate environments in which people can grow by looking after the, the culture and environment of those teams or groups. So the key point of this whole session was that strong teams have two characteristics. They have a shared or common purpose, which both the Gregs have already talked about, and they have diverse or different functions or strengths. Um, so I'm not going to say much more about the shared purpose because the Gregs have ably covered that, um, except um, as I was, I, I, know, I do think it's quite funny, the Gregs thing. <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah, the G's. Greg S's. <laughs> um, I guess except for um, the point I would add is that as leaders we're all under authority as well. So when we talk about the role of the leader as being to define common purpose, um, we're all leaders under authority. So if you're a discipleship leader here, you'd know the purpose of our groups is transformation. And we don't make that up as leaders, that comes from eldership and they don't make it up as eldership, it comes from the Lord. So I think always remembering as a leadership um, that you need to honour the leadership that you're under as well is the key there. Um, and then the second point, the different parts. So the role of the leader is to create environments where the members of the group, team, whatever it is, can move towards whatever that common purpose is together. So two bits there, as we've already talked about, making sure people are clear on what that common purpose is and then creating environments where people can flourish and play to their strengths. Really um, struck me when I was thinking about this again today how, um, how consistent the Lord is in his design and how many ways he teaches us about this one purpose, many parts. Um, so it's all through scripture, but... Um, particularly today 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks literally about the body as one body with many parts. And then it kind of throws up these arguments and behaviours that we have. So, you know, if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, does that make it not part of the body? No. So we can't take ourselves out of the body. And likewise, if all the parts were the same, how would the body work? Not very well. Um, and then I was in a meeting today where we were talking about biodiversity, and I thought, man... He talks to us through nature, and nature shows us the same thing. So what's happening to the world as different plants and species die out? Is it getting better or worse? Worse. <laughs> and leadership theory itself is getting really big on this idea about diversity and how actually teams are stronger when they have different parts in it. So just quite amazing how consistently the wisdom of the Lord reveals itself. So in terms of, given it's really important that we work well with diversity and difference, I then talked a little bit about what are some of the keys to doing that successfully because difference actually has the potential to blow things apart if we don't lead through it effectively. And some of the points I made there were use that common purpose. People will come at things with different purpose, with different perspective, sorry, but that's okay so long as they're clear and working towards the same purpose. Um, as a leader model valuing difference, so be really clear about what your strengths are, what you're not strong at. Um, get really good at calling out the strengths of others. Um, that might not be a strength for you, so if you're growing in that, at least find someone else who is strong at that and empower them to, to be that person who can help you see where the different strengths are in the group. Um, and then the other one was don't see tension as a bad thing. 
often actually when we're moving towards the common purpose, different people will have different perspectives, but so long as you're working towards the same common purpose, that's a good thing. In fact, it's necessary. You won't get there. It's pretty clear, particularly as the body of Christ, that we won't get there if we can't learn to release each other into our functions. Um, and as a leader, don't, you don't have to have all the, right, all the answers. So be prepared to be challenged, as long, again, as that challenge is aligned to a genuine pursuit of the common purpose. But you don't need to know everything to be a leader. Questions? I'm going to um, take the liberty of building a bridge to Greg's next session on servant leadership. I was remembering um, today when I was thinking about these sessions, a time when the Lord had called me into a leadership role that was bigger than me and it had been a bit of a big deal for me to step into it. And I had, and I sat down with the Lord early on. I said to him, right, Lord, what's the plan here? And I was expecting some sort of mega download of here's what I want you to do and here's how it's going to go. And he said this one word to me. He said, serve. <laughs> and the reason that was so significant is because he was reminding me that actually before I did anything, he was interested in the posture from which I did it. So it wasn't about the things I did, it was about who I was doing it for. And although over, that t over the time he did teach me some strategies and things, that word was a continual reminder to me that I was there to serve him. And on that note... Just, um, Amy, just wanted to share this with you. Um, Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So that's the, a, a, you know, a, a, a response to when people are coming to calm a situation down. You know, I think Christ said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And, and if our approach is one, we're not worried about being right or wrong, but righteousness, then actually you can calm a situation if you stay calm because of what's in you. And that's the challenge. I think... Um, oh, I'll throw it out there. What do people think? It's a gift to them, yeah. right? So, so when you respond, then everything comes down. I mean, their response because you're you're serving them. So it's it's it's. I mean, old, yeah, exactly. So you know, if someone you see this, if someone crashes the car, you know, and 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 come angry, and you're calm and you apologise, even if it's not your fault, in the sense of that's not a great analogy, you know, legal stuff. But do you know what I mean? It's like. Wow, the goal is oneness, or the goal is maintaining. So I'm going to actually take the high road. I'm not going to try and rationalise blame away. I'm just going to love. So I come at this level up here, like Christ did. And that then brings the situation down. Because when someone's trying to egg you and goad you, if you don't get angry, 
all of a sudden things just start to dissipate. So that's, and that, you know, that requires him in you to be able to do that. Um, cool, so servant leadership is my last talk tonight. Servant leadership starts at knowing the Father's love. So once again, this is the ongoing process we're on. To truly be a servant leader, you need to know intimately the Father's love and you need to be growing in that love because otherwise you can't serve the way Christ would intend you to serve. You'll serve out of lust, which is out of your flesh. So there are two positions of servant leadership in the body. Um, There is sonship position and then there is slave or orphan position. So you can actually serve out of being an orphan because you don't know the Father's love. Or you can serve as a son because you do know the Father's love. So once again, wrapped so much around identity and and knowing him. Uh, We're called to be sons who are servant leaders. Because we are called to be sons, servant leadership is the responsibility of all. So, you know, people go, oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a this, I'm not that. No, if you're a son, then you're called to be a servant leader. So there's no way out of that. We'll try and get ourselves out of it. Oh, I'm not a leader. I'm just this. No, no. If you're a son, then you're called to be a servant leader. Period. Um, you'll never know you are. You'll never know if you are truly a servant leader until you're treated like a slave. You'll never know if you're truly a servant leader until someone treats you like a slave. This will test your identity as a son. And the last point is godly servants don't expect or look for anything in return for serving their father's purpose. So once again, if we serve with an agenda to get, then it's a false service. You're self-serving yourself. He is worthy enough. He has done enough. If you get anything, it's a bonus, but don't go looking for it. Because when you don't get it, you'll be one, upset, and two, um, it'll be a divisive thing that wells up and bitterness and hurt and all that can start growing in you. The fact that you get the opportunity to serve and participate in the Father's business is enough. It's a joy and an honour and a privilege. And that's why you need to know love. Because to be like that, you need to know love. And it says, you know, if you try and exalt yourself... You'll be humbled, but if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. And so servant leaders don't go looking for anything as a reward for serving. Um, And I think that's why the Bible says that their reward will be full now for those people that do. And there's a reward that awaits for those that don't. Um, So that's servant leadership. Questions? Oh, aligning conversations, it's you. Mine come in quick succession. (laughs) So aligning conversations, Uh, we're talking here about conversations that address issues that are harming the person's growth or harming the growth or health of the whole. Um, So as Greg said before, when I'd written these notes, I'd talked about addressing behaviour, but he's right that the behaviour is a symptom of something deeper. And if we want to see change, actually what we're looking for the Lord's leading on is what's underneath that that needs to be addressed for us to grow, for the people to grow. 
So in this session we talked about a couple of alwayses, a couple of postures, or one posture, a couple of parts to it, from which we should always have these conversations, and then some things which were a bit more dependent on the situation. So the alwayses were be led by the Holy Spirit on what, when, and how to have these, what can be quite tricky conversations. So just because you can see an issue doesn't mean you should blast in and have the conversation or that you should have it the way that you reckon. Um, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that you shouldn't. So the point is, be led by him. Um, and in a sense, if that's present, then the next one probably is present too, and that's that the motivation should always be the Father's love. That will be the Father's love for the person whose behaviour or issue you're talking to. Um, but it can also be the Father's love for the whole. So sometimes actually what's going on is hurting others too, and so it's necessary to deal with it for the protection of others. In terms of the how, again, Holy Spirit will tell you how in the circumstance. Sometimes it's as simple as telling a story. So I've had lots of times when I've been in a conversation with someone who's been talking about an issue or a problem and a testimony of my own or someone else has dropped into my head and in telling that story the person's gone actually I wonder if that's what's going on here um, and that can be quite powerful because actually the person's process is really between him and the Lord and you're assisting it um, so don't assume it's always got to be a big serious conversation um, Listen and don't assume that you know the whole picture. So if you do um, feel to bring it up more directly, um, and this goes to the humility versus pride thing, um, you can't assume that the Lord's given you the whole picture. Um, so keep listening through the conversation, and it's amazing often what gets uncovered. The route's often quite different to what, in my experience, I might have expected. Also, sometimes it's way harder than you expect. You think it's going to be straightforward and it's a nightmare. Other times you think it's going to be a nightmare and the person's like, yeah, actually, you're the third person who said that and I'm ready to deal with it. Um, and then don't judge by the outcome. So as with all of this stuff, reflect, as this Greg said, if it goes in a way that feels really wonky, reflect on what happened there. But just because the person doesn't embrace it hook, line and sinker doesn't mean you shouldn't have done it or you did it wrong, just your bit is to um, bring faithfully what it is that you think the Lord's saying and his bit is the rest. I know in my life sometimes it's taken multiple times of the same thing being brought by different people before I was at the point where I was ready to, to really respond. And finally, um, for change to happen, the person needs to take responsibility. So real responsibility, not the yeah, yeah, I know, but blah, 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 but it's really hard for me because, but the actual place of repentance of, yep, I'm ready, I want this to change. And something that I've learned is we need to be careful to not stand in the place of rescuer for people. So it's really important that we're empathetic and that we're supportive, so this is that I get that it's hard, and I'm here to support you, but actually you need to choose to change. And I think um, some of us in particular can put ourselves in that place of let me make it better, where we can't make it better. 
and actually we need to let the person feel the heat enough to be prepared to change. Um, so I've, an example of that I had is I've had um, people in roles at my work who are in the wrong roles and need to change because it's not going to work out for them. And sometimes I've been like, hey, you know, there's this kind of opportunity. I can introduce you to somebody and you can have a chat about whether that would be better for you. Yep, yep, I'm keen. Two months later, have you done anything about it? No. Another month, have you done anything about it? No. And having to go, actually, I've supported you, I've made a connection for you, but actually you need to make the choice to go on this process. And if you don't, the consequences are that you're in a job that doesn't fit and that may not end well for you but actually you need to choose. So I think it's just an important thing to watch in your posturing is support, don't rescue. Questions? Now it's you. <laughs> Eager beaver. So in, in lots of these... Um, you know, leadership practices um, discussions, you would have heard how important communication is. Communication is pivotal to a lot of them. Whether you're setting a vision or encouraging participation, whether you're having those sort of courageous conversations or just negotiating with your kids, right? It's vital to try and get the desired outcome. Um, but have you ever said something to two different people and got two totally different responses? Because we're all different, right? If we all spoke my language, it'd be easier. I'd hardly have to use half the words that I use, even though I probably still would. <laughs> but we're different. So different personalities respond to different styles of communication. And that's what we explored in this session. Um, so we used the DISC personality profiling to explore the four most common um, personality traits and I guess the behaviours that are attached to that. And those four quadrants were a dominant personality, an influential personality, a steady personality and a conscientious personality. And um, a good example of how those can differ is probably in the way that we would have prepared tonight, I expect, where uh, Greg... And, and bearing in mind, when I, did the, uh, when I did the first session around this, I had to set it up to make sure it was a really safe environment. We could talk about this stuff and not get offended. So if you get offended, I apologise in advance. But <clears throat> I know Greg won't because he loves me and I love him. But, um, you know, Greg, in preparing for this, he's, he's got a bit of D in him. So he would have had those big headline, headline uh, statements in regard to what a session was about. But if you probably asked him, OK, so what was the detail in it? He probably had to go back and listen to it, make, go back and try and find notes. That's if he had notes at all and so forth. For me, uh, my, mine was all scripted out word for word. And every one of those words is a God-given gold nugget. <laughs> so to try and compact those down to three minutes is just ridiculousness. Um, whereas for Joe, it was a piece of cake. She was just like, it's like three minutes, two minutes more than I need, right? <laughs> Three different personalities, three different ways of preparing. But again, different is not bad, it's just different. If different was bad, half of you wouldn't be with your partners, because I'm sure if we split you into your different personality types, your partner probably in all likeliness is not in the same personality group as you. So I explored what those were. So the, the D, or dominant personality, if you're a D personality type, you tend to be more concerned about results. These people are outgoing and task-orientated. They're not naturally people-orientated, which can be a bit of an issue if you're a leader. They tend to be active, extroverted, and often in a rush. They speak loudly, interrupt others, and come right to the point in a conversation. 
They like to take charge of meetings and to set the agenda and the rules. But they can also be a bit aggressive and a bit blunt and impatient at times. They're often motivated by, listen to you, judging each other. It's so cute. You're like, I know that guy. <laughs> um, they're often motivated by action and change. And often their biggest fear is a lack of control. But there's a way of communicating with D's. All right. Um, when communicating with a D-style individual, give them the bottom line. They're not interested in the detail. Focus your discussion narrowly. Avoid making generalizations. Refrain from repeating yourself and focus on solutions rather than problems. They're very direct. Another D. Check in there. Our eyes. Uh, if you're an eye personality type, you're a peacock like me. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Um, how do you recognize an eye personality type? I'm over here. Um, we tend to be a little bit extroverted, friendly and charming. Spend a little, a little too long looking in the mirror. We speak with animation using gestures and facial expressions and tell stories and laugh. We like to make um, gatherings into social events and uh, enjoy working with people, often trying to include others in their projects. Um, we love recognition and approval. Um, and often our biggest fear is rejection. Oh, today I heard that. Oh, <laughs> sympathy. So when you're communicating with an I-style individual, share your experiences. Allow the I-style person time to ask questions and talk themselves. Focus on the positives and avoid overloading them with details. Don't interrupt them. <laughs> Don't interrupt them. Our S's. If you're an S personality type, you're concerned about relationships and process. You're still into people, just a little more reserved and a little, little bit more careful. So they tend to be quiet and indirect and casual. They don't like to show their emotions too much. They speak slowly and at a relaxed pace, as if they've got nowhere important to be or go. They're really good listeners, really good listeners, and they encourage others to talk about themselves. They prefer to follow, not to lead, and they like working with others in small groups. They're motivated by relationships and appreciation, and often their biggest fear is confrontation. So how do you communicate with these S's? Be personal and amiable. Express your interest in them and what you expect from them. Take time to provide clarification. Be polite and avoid being confrontational or overly aggressive or rude. And then finally, our C's, our conscientious. So if you're a C personality type, you're concerned about quality and accuracy. You probably work in HR. <laughs> On the numbers side of things. Audit, audit. Sorry, I meant audit, not HR. Probably not HR at all, actually. Audit. Um, <clears throat> they tend to be quiet um, and indirect and formal. They appear cautious. They speak slowly and matter-of-factly trying to avoid mistakes, they often pause. They rarely speak up at meetings, you have to encourage it out of them. And they prefer to go off by themselves and to collect data and make plans. Their offices are really neat. They're motivated by protection and security, and often their biggest fear is being wrong. So if you're communicating 
um, with a C, then focus on facts and details. Minimize the pep talk or emotional language. That's not their vocabulary. Be patient, persistent, and diplomatic. And if you're in a team environment, remember, you kind of can't get along without all four of those personality types. So recruit your weakness. You would have heard Joe talk about that before. Um, and don't be afraid of it. As I said, different isn't wrong. It's just different. Questions? Uh, I is for influential. It's for a whole lot of stuff, but influential is probably the key one. S is for, I'm trying to find the other words. So, so S is for steady, but you could use stable or supportive. Yep. Yes, yeah, they do. Yep. Well, you would have heard people described as an owl or a peacock or an eagle. Or, yeah, there's dog ones, there's all sorts. But they're the same, it is the same sort of, it's the same sort of principle, so that's just one that we've chosen. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think, um, actually, probably the last, the last point that I want to make around that, and it was a really important one, is that um, you, might, you might resonate with one or maybe two of those profiles, but they don't define who you are, and don't ever let them define who you are. It's just about understanding them, okay? But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Any other questions? Fear for the D. Lack of control, yeah. Losing control. Anything else? Cool. Alrighty. Um, so, I think... Can I just borrow those for a minute? Uh, yeah. In the back of your notes here, um, there's some individual reflection. So there's three questions there just to um, take away and, and have a look at. Is there other questions for discussion? Okay. So um, if you can take five minutes and fill that in. So the uh, page, what page is that? I can't see. 33. Thank you. Um, so take five minutes to fill it in and then at your tables discuss it. So discuss what you've learnt over the year in relation to this. Is that cool? Awesome. Thanks, guys.